It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello, it's Dan here. In the Key of Q is on hiatus until the 1st of March, but until those new episodes drop, here are clips from the Patreon-exclusive feed, plus other treats from the main episode to keep you occupied. This week, we revisit Brendan McLean. This is an exclusive episode for our Patreon subscribers, where I chat with our queer musicians about their five songs to save from Armageddon. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to this Patreon episode of In the Key of Q, where I am welcomed back by the fantastic Brendan McLean in Sydney. Hello, Brendan. Hello, my love. How are you doing? I'm jolly good. Thank you. Jolly good on this early hour here on a cold London Sunday morning. Ooh, I feel it breezing by. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've got some bad news. The Armageddon's approaching and everything's going to end and you can only take with you five. I know, I know. On top of everything else. On top of everything else. It's literally the end now. What a a downer. (laughs) What a downer. Didn't see it coming. Oh, what a shit day. Honestly. <laughs> so the end of the world is coming and you can only rescue five songs. Whoa. Oh, I That's know. not many. I know. It can be your own. It's really you not many. That's quite, it's really twisting, twisting my, I, you know, maybe it's not that hard actually. I'm pretty brutal with these things. Fantastic. Aren't, so are you, aren't you, are you kind of brutal with these things? Can you just like, bam, chop, or do you take weeks? I I can go bam chop and then the next day it's a completely different list and then the next day it's a completely uh, different list. Okay. Because you see, I'm mercurial and fascinating. You see, that's what most people don't realize, Brendan. <laughs> I'm just, I pretend to be mysterious, but there's nothing <laughs> underneath the facade. Absolutely I, nothing. I remember many years ago, I was in Philadelphia and a friend of a friend turned up at a bar we were meeting him at to the guy I was dating out there, his friend turned up a little bit sort of tousled and he said, oh, I'm not going to even do the accent, but he was said, uh, oh, my, my, my therapist has just fired me. And I was like, I didn't know your therapist could fire you. I, I could do that. that. I didn't know that was a thing. And he said, yeah, he said, I said something that tipped him over the edge. And of course you go, what, what did you say? What did you, you say? say? Yeah. And he went, I don't know why you bother with me. Because if you scratch beneath my surface, there's just more surface. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. There's, there's nothing. There's a smaller barrel inside this barrel that I got from a bigger barrel. <laughs> We're just Russian dolls of, of superficiality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, you know, I've, I've given this a long, hard thought. Um, but I, I am pretty brutal. So where, where should we start off? The hardest choice, the easiest choice? I think let's go from the easiest through to the one that really, really was the toughest with yeah. pithy and witty explanation as to why. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> um, well, the easiest is Rufus Wainwright, uh, the art teacher. It's um, the first time I heard sort of theatre singing that I... 
absolutely fell in love with, but more importantly, the lyricism um, of, of pretty much all Rufus Wainwright tracks, I suppose. But this one, he's, uh, he's dared to be subtle, you know, at a, at a 10. Um, it's the only way Rufus Wainwright knows how to be subtle. He's not a very subtle songwriter. But I, I think about lines like, here I am in this uniformish pantsuit sort of thing, thinking about the art teacher and reflecting on that moment we all had with someone. I think maybe, uh, you know, I certainly had my art teacher moments. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think we all did. I think, I think so too. There was, a fact, there was a fantastic song I was just listening to yesterday called Ode to a Gym Teacher. Oh, to a gym teacher. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, maybe it, it spreads it's around sung, the departments. Yeah, it does. It's sung by a fantastic <laughs> lesbian singer. I can't remember her name. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it was a, it was a wonderful song. And it just makes you realize we all, these are these kind of... We all you, shared that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that wanting to subvert authority, that, you know, the Lolita taking power kind of thing. And, you know, Rufus sings this song as a... Um, thinking when he was a, a a little girl back in school, that's how he sings this track. And I suppose being a showman myself, being a very much of the cabaret capital P performer as my listed career, it's um, a song that's just a, a man and a piano uh, with a little French horn for good measure, of course, in the bridge. But it does all it needs to with with some beautiful chords. And some brilliant lyrics. I adore it. I adore it. I'm ashamed to say I didn't know about Rufus until Brokeback Mountain came out, and I discovered him through that okay. soundtrack. Oh yeah, what was he singing on that? Uh, he was doing a duet uh, with fuck. I can't remember. Um, uh, um, and uh, yes, yes, as country yeah. vibe. It was it was it Teddy Thompson? It might have been Teddy. Teddy Thompson. Thompson. Mm. Yep. You are absolutely right. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I followed here. And, of course, Martha. Who yeah. did not love Martha Wainwright? Um, no one can sing stormy weather like her. Mm, absolutely. But, you know, and that was also how I started to sort of explore my campus self on stage, you know, using the keyboard. That's how I started, you know, most of my songs earlier on. It was all me, piano. And things like that. And then I did start to discover arpeggiators. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't know how to use them beyond like, you know, Logic Pro. So when I started working with, you know, Paul Mack, who I, I work with a lot, a brilliant, iconic queer electro uh, producer and artist himself. And his rooms was, I, I sort of threw in the guitars and drums and things like that for a Moog and an arpeggiator. Uh, and I remember coming into the room, I think I'd made fun of him on Twitter or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and like, who's this little shit? And his sort of best friend, Johnny Seymour, also, you know, iconic fashion audio designer in Australia, um, said, no, don't blow up at him, Paul, you know, invite him over for a beer. And I remember um, them asking who I like listening to. And this was the track that um, I said, and it's uh, Roisin Murphy uh, when she uh, sung Forevermore. 
And it's a beautiful building rolling song that I think drags you in, pulls you in with its gravity, with its bouncing bass line. Gorgeous video clip as well, throwing herself through a sort of train tunnel with this arm-throwing, loose, almost contemporary dance vibe as she's as the dancers begin to copy her sloppy dancing starts. Gorgeous. But it was the length of the track as well. I, I didn't... I hadn't listened to dance music. I hadn't listened to extended, long mixes. Um, but this was just a single version. I thought it was so brave and so wild that it just went and went and went and sort of dared you to keep going down the rabbit hole with her. Um, so, yeah, Roisin Murphy, Maloko, Forevermore, definitely. It's always lovely, those songs, isn't it, that, that build almost without you noticing. I remember being on a dance floor... Uh, at the Scala here in London, and it would have been in the 90s, at the mm. now defunct Pop Stars nightclub. And I've, I've, I'd listened to Pulp's Common People a million times, but I'd never danced to it in a big room full of mm. queer boys and girls. And yeah, the way that track gathers momentum, you know, each time you blink, another instrument is layered on it. And so it begins as a rather hollow sound. And by the end of the album version... You're in this full mix of fury and drums and synth pads, and it's just joyous. Even thinking oh, about it heaven. makes me makes me right. And and isn't that what the best kind of that dance music does? It, it crawls up your spine and buzzes inside of you. It's ooh, yeah, you can feel that Absolutely. just by remembering gigs. Ah, oh, and you're gonna get them back. I promise you. We're doing them here. We have gigs again. You're gonna get there, baby. Going to feel gigs come back. There will be hope. I hope you have hope. We do um, have. We do have lots of hope. I am mocked for my eternal optimism. No, please, somebody needs to. Um, and as someone who gave me a lot of hope, oh, what a transition, Brendan McLean. Woo! <laughs> it's Frank Ocean, um, and you know he he does say the best song isn't the single, but I remember when Thinking About You came out on the Channel Orange album. Um, it felt like somebody had owned working by themselves in their room, that detail that he puts in the voice, that meticulous, idiosyncratic performance across the whole album, which, you know, who knows if Frank knows how to do it live. I He's cancelled three times coming to Australia, so I haven't had any luck seeing <laughs> perform you know maybe he was busy the night before i'm not sure but um yeah i remember listening to this album and it sounded like it had a narrative through it and he's built a world where i was so used to growing up with the one two three four five six seven eight nine songs and that's the album and some people had tried to do transitions, but they were sloppy and irritating. And on re-listen, you wouldn't want to hear those transition tracks. Mm. Um, and this this album was, I think, the first time I fell in love with it. Uh, but thinking about you, a tornado flew around my room before you came. Excuse the mess it made. Oh, wow. It just sort of hits you in the right place, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know that track. I must take a listen. Oh, absolutely. It's so breezy. Mm. Um, and I've been going back to this a little bit, you know, because as 
one of the odd things about coming back is and going back in traveling being quite tense, you know, there's a lot of, oh God, I shouldn't be out and doing anything. So I've been listening to a lot of cruisy sort of tracks lately. And yeah, Frank's definitely been applying his fair share of gumption to me. So thank you, Frank. We love you. But if you could not cancel the next show in Australia, that would be awesome too. What is it about artists not wanting to come to Australia? I remember. Oh, we're too far away. It's not that far. Come on. I know. I think it's more of the idea of where it is, like the idea that it's on the, like, but it's one flight, everybody. And I think, but people do it with every, like the, even connecting artists internationally. Like the Australia is really far away. So they don't engage with Australian artists or something like that. I think the UK and Australia have a much better connection, but America, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oddly enough, most legal stuff that I do is, is that it's kind of UK, it's domestic, North America and everything else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it seems such a shame because the most inconvenient part of traveling is getting off your ass in your own home and getting to usually whatever your domestic airport is. Once you're, once you're on the plane, just have more gin. You know, if it's a longer journey. Just have more gin. And I mean, I, I quite like the plane. You know, I've always said first class pharmaceutical drugs, third class seats. And you just get there fine. You know, <laughs> you can edit that out if you need to. Um, I remember the first, the, the first time, the only time I ever flew first class, I accidentally got upgraded. I'm sure because someone at check-in fancied me in San Francisco. Uh -huh. and to make the flight a bit easier, a friend... Oddly enough, a friend of my dad's I've been staying with gave me a Valium. This was when yes. I was like 21. Yeah. And I'd never had a Valium in my life. I didn't know what it did. So I got in the little bubble at the top of the 747, you know, all scruffy like I am with my shorts on and just not fitting in. Took a Valium with, with a glass of champagne. And the next thing I knew, I was in Heathrow. What a waste of a first-class <laughs> ticket. I, like, I literally took that before I even took off. You could have had, like, 14 vodka, like, tonics. Oh, my God. What have you done? Where were the martinis, the free massage you probably could have got, the boyfriend you could have got? Uh, that's what's led to a loveless life, is I should have met him on that, on that plane and on, I was asleep. You slept through it. There we go. And on that positive note, a song that makes you feel much better, um, years and years shine, and I have to say this one because I am watching It's a Sin at the moment. And Ollie Alexander, the, the lead of Years and Years, is doing a fabulous job uh, as the lead character in It's a Sin. It's beautiful. There's enough people ragging on about it for you to find. But this song, I thought it was the clearest um, expression of a young gay man for my generation that oozed cool and that indie pop vibe that excited me and, and reminded me that I can make cool music and it, it really was our time. And yeah, this was, a, this was a brilliant album for years and years and a brilliant sing for Ollie. It's gorgeous. You can hear the hope resonating out of him. Yeah. And if the world was ending, you'd want this track, you know, definitely blaring out. Gorgeous. Ah, oh, such a crush, such a crush. Um, and you know, the last song I take is my song, Stupid, uh, <laughs> because it, um, somehow keeps introducing me to sort of 
generation after generation of internet people <laughs> from when it started on YouTube to BuzzFeed to on Twitter to TikTok now to whatever seems to be coming after it. It seems to be the endless connector to the young people, which is such a gift for songs to choose. Funny songs, cute songs, quirky songs, so often age <laughs> like a banana left out in the sun. Um, but for some reason, Stupid keeps hanging on. And I think it's because I didn't think too much when I wrote it. Um, it uh, was full of hope and potential, <laughs> which is good. Uh, so you just don't think about the end point. It just made me giggle in my house that I was singing to a crush of mine that had totally, you know, ruined my life at, you know, 22 years old. Um, but I still, after, I think it's seven years in March this year that it will have been out. I still like dragging out the uke. And even if it's the, you know, it's usually the one uke song left in the set now of, of big, you know, backing tracks or big grand piano numbers, but it's always a wonderful moment to step out in um, just me and the, the microphone, uh, me and my ukulele singing a, a really simple melody to the audience. It still works. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely it does. And I don't know what it is about a ukulele, but it just is lovely. There's a fantastic cabaret performer we have here in London, Champagne Charlie, who performs with a ukulele. And oh, gorgeous. He's just, he's stunning. He I think is it's so an infinitely accessible in instrument. Yeah. Um, the fact that you can put one finger over a string and it's a chord, I think means everyone can play it. And so you have to keep the chords simple. And it's something we so often get wrong as songwriters is just keeping it simple because we want everyone to think we're clever. Um, so when you're on a ukulele and it kind of tells you, well, you can really only hear the difference between three of these chords anyway, you have to focus on the melody and the lyrics. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it works. It I still think there's works. Something, and there's something wonderfully mischievous about the way it physically makes you stand. Yes. So it's sort yes. of it's a little bit silly in this kind it's of bit, physicality of it. and bit clowny and immediately sort of strips you of any pretense that you're this godly figure. And res I think that resonates with an audience, right? Yeah. So I definitely have to take stupid. It's, yeah, she's coming. Fantastic. Brendan McLean, thank you so much for appearing in our uh, Patreon special episode of Absolute the Cube. Pleasure. And enjoy and the end of the world. Good on you all. Good on you all for getting behind Patreon. More bless Patreons, you. please. God bless you. Have you got a Patreon, darling? Do you have one? Um, I do. I do have a Patreon. Give it a yes, plug. Come I on. Um, it's, it's Brendan McLean on the Patreon and I put up a lot of B-sides that don't exist anywhere else. I give you little updates. Um, so jump over there, give us a wave while the end of the world is coming, baby. Absolutely. And I just put dick pics on mine. Oh, okay. I'll get my 10 bucks out. <laughs> For those of our audience that don't know your content, I want to suggest a gateway drug to get them, to get them properly hooked. Well, I always go the Brian and Carl journey. Brian and Carl are who have directed most of my video clips. And I think you just want to go on this journey through me trying to understand what the hell I'm doing with myself. So I start at stupid, 
at us with a handy cam, me recording on an iPad. Most of that track is from an iPad, by the way. And then moving through to Winner, the first time I booked a studio and put too many tracks on top of each other. I think there were about 10 different kick drums in that song. But, you know, the video clip's great. Nice strip backwards in it. You'll love it. And then guide yourself to House of Air and you'll find yourself at a very happy position when I finally figure out I love pop music, but I also love making pop structures. I love being cheeky and fun. And when you book the right person, they can make really nice production for you. I think it's probably my best track still. <laughs> I know it's it's desperately chipping away at the many TikTok streams that Stupid has, but yeah, I listen to that one and it's all that the arpeggiators, the disco drums, and yeah, that joy in the performance that I hope when you listen to me, you know that when I'm in there, I always mean it. I always mean it a thousand percent. So if we want to get past the knuckle of House of Air, we've got to start. <laughs> we've, got, we've got to start. We, we've got, got to start with an exploding cake. Stupid. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If you just cream yourself up, you know, the, the, the great metaphor for me is that if you go to houseofair.info, if, if you click um, I am over 18, you go to the video and if you click under 18, it just takes you back to the video of stupid. Back to the start. Brendan, McLean, it has been lovely having you on In The Key Of Q and we look forward Thank so you. much to welcoming you back here in London. Thank you for the Absolutely. fantastic music you make. Oh, my heart's really full. Thank you so much for that. Please do rate and review this podcast on your podcast provider. It'll really help other people find it. You can support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash in the key of Q. Of course, it's always lovely to hear your thoughts and ideas and maybe future guests for the show. You can reach out on all the usual social media platforms or email me directly on dan at in the key of It'll be great to hear from you. Our theme music is by Pauline Edu at unstoppablemonsters.com. Big thanks to Kajun Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. I'm Dan Hall and this podcast is made at Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. 